0: We have a great God. We have a miracle-working God. Every single person in this room could give a testimony about what God has done in their lives. It's undeniable. It is undeniable. Oh, Jesus. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. This is known as the parable of the sower. You find it in three different places in the Bible. You find it in Matthew Matthew 3, Mark 4, and then in Luke 8, where I want to pull it from, read from today. You don't see the Bible repeating itself very much. But when it does, it just drives home the importance of that point. And we find in Luke 8, is he's giving this parable that he's describing different conditions of people's hearts. But he's talking to a people that were were farmers. And so he's speaking their language. And so he's making this parable, telling this story, giving this example of a sower, a planter, going out into his field and planting some seed. And so in Luke chapter 8... Verses 4 through 8, it says, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him in every city, he, being Jesus, spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out and other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ear to hear, let him hear. If you have ears to hear today, then let's go to the Lord in prayer with me for the rest of this service. Lord, we ask that you be with us the remainder of this service. God, that each and every one of our hearts would be open to your word. God, that each and every one of our minds would be quickened to understand what you wanted to say, Lord. God, I ask that you help me to bring forth your word, God, not my word, not anybody else's word, not just opinion, God, but I can bring forth the gospel, the good news of your word, and to share it with these people. i bind any spirit of distraction or division that would divide our minds from what you wanted to do in this place today, God, but I ask that you would help our minds to be solely focused on you for these few minutes as I share this word. In Jesus' name. Amen, and you may be seated. My title this morning is An Infection of Affection. (coughs) An Infection of Affection. This world needs more love. This world needs more affection. And as Christians we have the Holy Ghost working within us that we can share God's love to this world. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus is telling his disciples, as one of his last instructions to them, is go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel being the good news, what Jesus told his disciples to do was to go share his word, to go spread the good news to every creature creature. And as as a Holy Ghost filled Christian, we have the love of God working in us that we can share that love. There's something called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Maslow is a psychologist, I don't even know what era he was from, but he builds this pyramid out of people's needs. And basically, people can't, you can't serve a higher need until you first served a lower need in their life. People have physiological needs food, water, sleep. If somebody's sitting there starving to <clears throat> death, <clears throat> the answer to their problems is not go pray more, let's get them some food. We have a conversation about God's Word. The first thing is their site is physiological needs, meeting those immediate needs. If they're squirting blood, they've got a limb that's falling off. We need to take care of that need first, that is their very first need before they can work towards personal development, character development. The second layer of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is safety and security, which is health, resources and employment. The third is love and belonging. People need community. People need fellowship. People need personal connection, friends and family. Then you get into self-esteem, which is their confidence and their need for respect. And at the very top is their drive or self-actualization of them becoming themselves. And so we have to help people and find out where people are to be able to help them grow in their spiritual life in the same way. In the understanding timing of when, to, of, of when to share God's word and where they're at. And there's a correlation between understanding where somebody is at, according to Maslow, and understanding where somebody might be at spiritually that we see laid out in Luke chapter 8. You see this sower that is sharing the seed or the word of God is what it's representative of. And in Luke 8, 11 through 15, and I'm not going to read 11 through 15, but it lays out the description of what this parable is. But I want to look at what the parable was and then and then kind of and then kind of build the story out from there. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. This is an example of when you might go to minister to somebody, you go to share with them the seed, God's word. you. You plant God's word in their heart or you you share it with them but their hearts have not been fully committed to God and they don't value the word and it ends up trodden down, fowls of the ear devour it. People know and hang on to things they value. Who went to God fast food at some time last week? Has anybody been out to eat in the past week? Do you know where the receipt is from that trip? (laughs) My little brother is all over his budget. (laughs) He knows where those receipts are. But, when you bought that food, you pulled your wallet out, and who knows where their wallet is today? We all know where our wallet is, but we don't care about that receipt. We know, and we hang on to, and we keep track of things that we value. But a heart that has gone by the wayside doesn't value God's word. And we will find people that don't understand the value of God's word. And when you share with them God's word, it's in one ear, out the other. They may say, oh yeah, you know, that, that's, that's good. But, but they don't take it seriously because they don't value God's word. And so when you're ministering to that kind of individual you have to under, help them understand and bring value to the word of God. Continuing down into verse 6, it says, And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. This heart is in the exact opposite condition. Because it comes to church, it worships, it might say all the amens. These are people that when you minister them on the road, they get all excited about, about, oh yeah, I love God, what he's doing. But when it really gets down to the meat of the word, they, they well, you know, that doesn't really apply to me. And when they go home, they start living a life or continue living a life of serving self. Because they don't value that relationship with God. They don't understand the importance of that individual relationship with God. They like coming to church. They like the feel-good experience. They like hearing the songs. They like the presence of the Holy Ghost flowing through the room. And the goosebumps that it gives them. But they don't understand that they can take that experience home with them and have it every day. We can have that church in our home Every day, or even multiple times a day, to feel the presence of God in your home. But to do that, you have to get a grasp of the Word of God. You have to bring the Word of God home with you. You have to read the Word of God in your home. You have to pray in your home just like you do at church. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God, just a simple verse can minister to somebody's soul so deep. A couple of months ago, I was just going on an adventure in life and I put away my smartphone and I got a glorified dumb phone. It still had an LCD screen, it was still a digital screen, but it didn't run apps. Phone calls, text messages, podcasts, and it had one gigabyte of storage if you wanted to load up some music or preaching or something on there, but the screen wasn't even in color. There was no social media, no Facebook, no browsing the Internet. And instinctively, as a millennial, I would still continue to reach for my phone to check Facebook when I'm standing in the checkout line somewhere. But there was no Facebook to check. So I took my pocket New Testament, I put it in my pocket. And whenever I think about checking Facebook, I just pull my pocket New Testament, I'd flip it open wherever it was in the New Testament. And I'll just read a verse, two verses, three verses, whatever I had time for. And I found that there was just, even just reading a verse or two would bring back to mind the story that it was coming out of or what was going on in that particular chapter of the Bible. And it would just quicken that within my mind again and bring that back to my mind. And I would be able to feel and understand the presence of God again in that place, wherever it was. We need to have the presence of God in our hearts at all times. And if we're ministering to somebody, we have to help them understand the value of the Word of God and the value of bringing the Word of God into their life. This isn't just something we do at church. This is a part of our life. This isn't a a part of our life. This is our life. Being a Christian is a lifestyle. It's what I do is be a Christian. Or is what I try to do if I'm being honest. And then in verse 7, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. This heart is a little bit more complicated because this heart has the seeds of worldly desires already planted in it that need uprooted. Seeds of distractions. They're not even always sins, but they're things that take our time. You've got to have your heart fully devoted to God. Because when you you can you can be well intending, you can have a good fertile ground of your heart. That things that are planted in there, you grasp a hold of them, you grow with them. But there can be other entertainments that take our attention. I can go down a YouTube rabbit hole on watching videos on engineering and science and the cosmos. Those are subjects that I love to learn about. And they are productive in this world. Math, mathematics. I love mathematics. I love how numbers work. But they don't directly bring me closer to God. And so it's something I have to work on. But verse 8. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he said these things, he cried, He that hath ear to hear... Let him hear. Now, I don't know all the context really here when he says, He that hath ear to hear, let him hear. I don't know if he's saying, He that hath ear to hear my words, hear what I'm saying to you, or if he's saying, He that hath ear to hear, let him, in fact, I think that really is what he's saying. If if somebody has an ear to hear the word of God, let their ears be open to hearing it. Give it to them. When you find somebody who's really interested in learning and growing in God, minister to them, serve to them. Healthy plants bear fruit. And whatever you grow in your heart is what... Your heart will bear. When you go to Galatians five, nineteen through twenty three, says so the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, demon possession, sensuality, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. Variance is being contrary just for the fact just for the fun of starting an argument, emulations, trying to be an equal with God, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveling, such like. That's such like, that's just a big catch-all. I may not specifically say any of these things, but it's things like these, fill in the blank, of which I've told you before and also told you in times past. Those that do these will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then in verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, suffering, which is patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Temperance is self-restraint. Against such there is no law. When I think about self-restraint, I think of the scientific fact that I learned one time. It takes 42 muscles in your face to frown, but only four to punch someone. (laughs) Have some self-restraint. Sometimes you might think about it. Sometimes my thing will slap in some people, but but when it says there against such there is no law, nobody will ever be offended if you don't punch them out, or if you're patient with them or gentle with them or showing them peace or love towards them. This entire passage, though, is laying out that the works of the flesh, or it's talking about the works of the flesh, but then it goes into the fruit of the spirit the reason why these fruits of the Spirit are what a person that has the Spirit bears is because that is what our God is. God is love. And when you have God, you feel his love in your life. But not only that, when you have his love in your life and you have God, you have love to share with others. God is peace. When you have God in your life, you can feel His peace. But when you don't, or when, yes, when you have that peace, then you also have peace to share with somebody. When you have God in your life, you have joy. And then you have that joy because you have God to share it with somebody else. When you have God in your life, you have patience. And when you have patience with God, then you have patience for others. God is gentleness. When you have God in your life, you, or God is gentle with you, and then you can demonstrate that gentleness to others. God is goodness. When you have goodness in your life, then you can also share that goodness with others. We have to stay in the spirit. We have to stay growing in the spirit. We have to stay in communion with him because we can get disconnected. We can lose our love and our joy and our peace. We've got to get back to where God is and let God's love reflect through us. I was thinking about every time you interact with somebody, you share a part of yourself with them. This is a brand new bottle of water. What well, do you got? You shake someone's hand. You got water in your hand now? You got water in your hand now? You're sharing a part of yourself with them. When you've got the Holy Ghost in your life, just having that interaction with somebody, you make a contact with them. And you never know where these people may turn up in your life again. Short story about work. delivering packages to this apartment. And just around the corner from this apartment is Casey's gas station. He's got the best pizza. Ever. So I'm gonna buy myself a slice of pizza. And as I was checking out, the guy checking me out he wasn't checking me out, he was checking me out. He was checking me out. He asked me if I had a package for this apartment I'd just been to, and I and I confirmed with them that I had actually just come from there. And he said, "Well, that's my PlayStation 5 And so we we briefly visited. And, and I don't even remember the entirety of the conversation, but I remember having the thought as I walked out of there, because there's just a bit of a connection. I never know where I might see this person again in my life. And who is in church today. It's my friend Brittany, and her boyfriend, Anthony? Austin. Austin. Austin, it's Austin. Austin works at Casey's next to this apartment building. Did you get your PS5? It was uh I don't remember exactly what it was. It wasn't a PS5. Uh-oh. I wish it was a PS5 though. It'd be cool though. <laughs> it was for the I think. Was it? I don't remember what it was, honestly. I got too many bad in the last few weeks. <laughs> but you never know when you might interact with somebody again, and you never know what seeds you might have the opportunity to plant. Some plant, others water. God brings the increase. You have to be so full of the Holy Ghost that every time you connect with somebody, every time you touch somebody's life, that you leave a little bit of Jesus behind. Yeah. You leave a little bit of them wondering what happened with you. That person's a little bit different. Yeah. I, have a, I have a coworker that just recently got fired because they sent a driver, they sent another driver to go help him. And the driver they sent to help him goes out with the most stops in the building almost every single day. And now, he's gone out with the most stops every single day, and now he's gotta go help this other driver, and he's not really having a good mood about it. And this other driver went to help starts complaining about how rough his day has been. And this driver that goes out the most stops every day said, I don't wanna hear it. And the driver that just complained about his day was, slams his door and drives away. And the conversation continues into text messages between them over the night, where they're saying all kinds of nasty things to each other over text messages. You don't do that to people. You can be different. You can break the toxic chain when somebody comes at you. When somebody comes at you with aggression, you can show them your love that you have. Because you don't need that love from them. You need the love of God. You can show them that peace you have. You can show them that joy that you have. You can exercise some grace and some goodness with them because we have God and we can demonstrate God's love back to them and we can be the difference in their lives. You have to let the love of God and the Spirit of God overtake every part of who you are. Your spiritual fruits are a sign of what's going on on the inside. The Pharisees confronted Jesus and Jesus says either make the tree good and the fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt. For a tree is known by his fruit. You're known by your fruit. People can recognize what's going on in you by the fruit that you're bearing. There's a story about a missionary. Summarizes hour long story in 30 seconds. But he had some pineapple plants. And the natives kept taking his pineapples, and he was very upset about it. And he was trying to be polite with them, trying to be gracious with them, but but he would try. He tried everything to save his pineapples. And one day, God just convicted him about it and said, "Is everything you own mine, including those pineapples?" Said, "Okay, God, yeah. pineapple is yours. So what I don't care. Natives can take the." Pineapples. And after a couple months of him now no longer being upset that the natives are taking his pineapples, the natives said, you know, we've noticed a change in you. So you're much happier now. Did you become a Christian? They said, you've taught us all about Christianity. We hope we'd meet one someday. You have to show your love to people. You have to reflect God in people because people can see the difference in you. But the other thing is, the reflection that people see is of your current condition. Or suppose you're reflecting, you're reflecting God. What people see in you is where you currently are, not who you used to be. Our lives are or should be covered under the blood of God. Everybody's got sin in their lives. Everybody's sinned before. But this is what God sees when he looks at us. And I was thinking of that analogy this week because this is what God sees when he, looks like, when he looks at us. It's all covered in blood. Whether it looked like this before or whether it looked like this before. God doesn't see the difference. It doesn't matter how much sin has happened in our life. All God sees is that it's been covered under The blood. In the book of Romans, it says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. There's always enough grace from God to cover your sins. And the devil's two biggest lies are, you're good enough that you don't need God, and you're so bad that even God can't save you. And somehow he had me convinced of both of those at the same time. I said a little sarcastically, but also I've I've had moments in my life where I've wondered, have I so messed up that God can't save me? An end has come to yesterday, a new dawning is today. Your decisions affect your next day, so pray throughout your day. It doesn't matter what is in our past. It doesn't matter what we've done before. We get a fresh start. We get to start over. I've looked at at different ministers before, different evangelists, different preachers, and thought, man, if I hadn't made some of the mistakes in my life, I could be that person. You can be that person. You can be that prayer warrior. You can be that missionary. You can be that world changer. You have to forgive yourself for your past because God has already forgiven you. Close the door. Forget about it. It's gone. It's in the past. You have an opportunity to set the pace for your future. Don't worry about who you used to be or what you've done in the past, but worry about who you are now and what you can do now because you have the power and the authority of God's word. Don't let the devil hold this stuff over your head. It's not God that reminds you that you used to be a terrible person. It's not God that tells you, You're never going to get through this. That is a lie of the devil. You can or do have the Holy Ghost to give you the love, to give you the joy, to give you the peace, to give you that perseverance. And you can reflect it everywhere you go. And in everything you do, you can share what God is doing in your life. You can share that fruit that's working in your life. You're not crazy for telling people how good God is to you. You're honest. Sometimes we don't want to tell people what God's done for us because we're going to think we're a little weird. They don't believe in that. I don't care. And, and it's taken me a long time to get there. I don't care if people think I'm a little crazy because I have truth on my side. The whole, this whole, like, my, my faith and my religion is not just walking blindly by faith and I'm just making it up. It comes from personal experience and other people's personal experience. I sit in these prayer meetings. There's like prayer powerhouse we had last last Friday night. Just a powerful prayer meeting. You watch lives being changed. You can just feel the presence of God so heavily. And then Saturday morning I get up and I go to work and I talk to people that have no idea about how real God really is and can be in their lives. And and they're not crazy, they're just misinformed. They're in a deception. And, And the opposite of deception is truth. And God's word is truth. So when we can bring them God's word, and we can demonstrate God's word and God's love, and we can let God work in us and then through us, we can change people's lives. We have to put our faith in God. We have to put our trust in God. Praise reports are always great to hear after the fact. In fact, praise reports get even better the more pain you went through to get there. Luke 12, 24 says, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? Put your faith in God. Put your trust in God. He cares for you. I've I've seen stories and heard people that have lost their faith in God because he didn't do things their way God's not here to do things my way church, he's here to do things his way and I just have to submit to that process you look at the story of Lazarus Lazarus died and the first thing Lazarus' sister says to Jesus is if you you would have just been here you could have saved him if you would have just been here you could have healed him she had some faith, but she didn't have total faith. And Jesus says, Stand back and watch what I'm going to do. Because one of Jesus' closest friends was Lazarus. And, and Lazarus' sister says, If you had just been here, you could have saved him. But God demonstrated just how powerful he is. He took that testimony just that step further. You've got a story of David. David was anointed at a very young age to be king. And yet he went through a process of being chased and being beat down by the current king. And he had to hold on to that faith in God because it would become part of his testimony. Look at the story of Joseph. He was rejected by his brothers, sold into slavery, works his way up, then gets thrown in prison, then he becomes second in command in prison, and then he finally gets out of prison, and gets placed in a position of authority over his brothers that sold him into slavery. It was a long, painful process for him to get there. Daniel put his faith in God, and despite what the world around him told him to do, didn't let it waver. God's not limited by time. He's already in tomorrow. He can solve the world's problems. But we have to let him do it his way in his time. The three Hebrew boys were kidnapped, they made advisors of the king, and then they won't bow down and worship his idols. And I think one of the most powerful things they said is that our God's gonna save us, but if not. When the king said, Do you understand what happens if you don't bow down and play my games and worship my God? Is our God's gonna take care of us, but if not, If he doesn't deliver us out of the fiery furnace, we're going to go down (laughs) saying that we served him anyway. We loved him anyway. There's only two ways out of this. You either end up in in heaven or you end up making it out of the fire. But when they came out, they didn't even smell of smoke. There was no signs and no damage from the fire in their lives. And that's a whole other message there. Because we can go through hard times And come out without facing repercussions of those difficult times. God can bring restitution. God can bring healing. Having faith in God doesn't automatically make life easier. But giving him your problems does. When you understand that the problems you're facing are not yours to overcome, but they're his to overcome. I prayed a prayer this spring. I don't remember what I was going through, but I said, God, because of this problem I have, I can't do your work. Now, how am I going to solve this problem? And then I realized kind of the inconsistency in that prayer. says, so okay, God, this door is closed, and it's not working out the way that I think it should. And it's impeding me from doing what I think you want me to do. So if you want me going down that road, you can going have to either change the circumstances or move me in a different direction. But learning to pray that, okay, God. This isn't the way you want me to go. This door isn't open. Either open it or take me somewhere else. Because I work for God. I don't know where you are with God today. But if God's leading you, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to put your full trust in him. You look at the story of Noah. Noah worked on that ark for many, many, many years. But he was obedient by faith to do exactly what God had told him to do. Let's all stand. Hebrews chapter 11 is my favorite chapter. Because we have a faithful God. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which were seen were not made but do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. By faith, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is by faith. All of these people just stepped out in faith. By faith, Abraham went out, not knowing where he went. Abraham was walking blindly, not knowing where. Wherever he was going. But he sojourned in the land of promise in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with them in the same promise. Through faith Sarah received strength to conceive seed. These all died in faith not having received the promise. That's so powerful, church. When God lays something on your heart, when God tells you, you know what, that person in the booth next to you at the restaurant, just go pray for them. You may not see the fruits of that immediately and as you walk away the devil might tell you oh, that didn't do anything now they just think you're weird when you walk up to a stranger on the street and go you know what i just feel like the lord wants me to pray for you when you see somebody in, in public that they're maybe limping on a cane hey can i pray with you who cares if they think you look crazy you don't know what that step of faith is going to do you don't know what seeds you're planting because like it says here these all died in faith not having received the promise. They did not see the fruits of their faith. But God was still working. Continue to verse 23. But by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months by his parents because they saw that he was a proper child. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses, choose to identify with God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. By faith, he forsook Egypt. He walked away from his comfort zone in faith, not fearing the wrath of the king, but because he wanted to get closer to God. Through faith, he's kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest that the destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. And by faith the the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed. Put your faith in God. Open yourself up to the changes he wants to make in your life. God wants to improve and perfect each and every one of us. And through that improving of our lives it will impact our ability to minister to those that are around us. I've got a close friend of mine that I I grew up with that he started a Bible study group in his home and now he's got 40 people coming to this Bible study group. You don't have to just Just bring people to church. This isn't just a Sunday-only event. You can have church any day, any time, anywhere. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, ask for direction from God. Ask Him what He wants to do in your life and through you. Ask God what the next step is in your journey. If God's convicting you of some things, then it's time to lay it down on the altar. Even if it's not explicitly a sin, it might be something holding you back. It might just be for a time that you need to lay some things aside and say, okay, God, for a time, I'm going to worship you. For a time, I'm going to draw a little closer to you and let your word work in me. Or God might be directing you to take a step of faith into a new avenue of ministry. God might be leading you to take a step of faith and witness to a co-worker. So we're going to pray this morning that God would guide your heart, guide your mind, and guide your steps. That you would walk where he wants you to walk. That you would think the things he wants you to do and do the things he wants you to do. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, Lord, do a work in my life. Lord, help my heart to be set on the things of you. Lord, help my spirit to be alive with what you want to do. Oh, she so, sono so,